Yeah. Well, welcome to welcome to the insurance dudes. <laughs> one question before we start. The worst question you can ask a statistician is, "Are you sure?" Because we're like, <laughs> I don't trust Google not for a day. They know everything. Right. They're making decisions about what they show you, what they don't show you, and Who pays them. I don't know how they make that. I'm sure it's a very very. Buckle up! It's the Insurance Dudes podcast. <laughs> Harry, Ann, and Ed Nadeau? Yeah, you nailed it. Good job. Yeah, it's like Just a Carrie Strug moment there. <laughs> well done. So, um, yeah. Yeah, well, well, welcome to welcome to the insurance dudes. Yeah, thanks for having me. I guess I'm a dudette, but I'll take it. You are oh, a you've done your homework. <laughs> <laughs> so we ask everybody one question before we start. What was the sure. first concert? that you ever went to way back could be Barney. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Oh, so, I'm excited. My dad is a rock and roll drummer. So while I was both in my mother's belly and my first concert was Rush. Ooh. Oh, yeah. that is good. I am, I am gifted with having a Canadian rock and roll drummer dad. So it's sort of <laughs> so. a cult. Yeah, he literally drew, grew a ponytail when Neil Pert died because he wanted to commemorate Neil and his and his rat tail. So that's we're, awesome. We're hardcore Rush fans in our household. Yeah, <laughs> that's is awesome. it still going? The tail? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's oh. still going. It's now the quarantine tail. We call it. <laughs> it looks like a squirrel. He looks like a squirrel because he's older now. <laughs> that is so awesome. Yeah, for real. That's well, my so favorite. Story. Yeah, that is great. And isn't that the second rush in, in a very short Really? Yeah. Wow, I got to find my fellow rush comrades out in the world. Yeah. They're pretty... Yeah, I, went uh, a, I went to a Presto concert back in the... I think it was late 80s. It had to be late 80s or early 90s. I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. One of the... I never heard of Presto and I'm 33, so you can do the math. I probably yeah, wasn't alive. We yeah, we were Sorry about that. Well, yeah. it's okay. Everybody knows that I'm in my 90s. So yeah. true. Yeah. Look great. Did, did you ever watch? Um, I think it was I Love You, Man. Yeah. Oh yes. The, the slap it to base. I have had this conversation <laughs> with someone who had not heard that song, and so when I saw I Love You, Man, and he was like, you know, he he plays Rush on the computer, and the sound can't get high enough to like really appreciate the volume at which right. Rush should be appreciated, <laughs> and so he's like, listen closer, and it's just this monumental failure of trying yeah. to get someone excited about like Tom Sawyer or something like that. <laughs> yeah. It was so funny. So I was uh, laughing hysterically. Yes. Yeah. Love it. Well, yeah, why don't you tell nice. us your background, sure. how you went from rush to insurance, how you rushed over to insurance. Yeah. Rush. I, yeah. I guess that's sort of the opposite. You should be like, rush, you know, you should really get up there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I was actually born and raised just south of Hartford, Connecticut, so it's probably something they put in the water that brings us back to insurance, but uh, my dad was a rock and roll drummer, as previously discussed, so we didn't, you know, have insurance in the family, um, but uh, it somehow sucked me back to the state of Connecticut uh, in a good way, so roundabout, 
how I got into insurance, uh, I actually built a technology company that had nothing to do with insurance, but measured risk really precisely. Mm. And someone one day said, hey, you know who really cares about this? The people who place bets on risk and measuring the precision of risk could actually really matter to the insurance industry. So I don't want to say it was begrudging that I came back to Connecticut, but I definitely had to be dragged back for a couple meetings. Uh, to convince me that in fact insurance was a fantastic market to sell into. And so about three years ago, we pivoted the entire business into insurance to seize the opportunity and we've been growing ever since. Yeah. So what, what was it originally designed for? Like you just, yeah. cause you went to MIT. I right? did. I'm a smart aleck. Yeah. They <laughs> I don't think I've ever talked to somebody who went to MIT. I'm, I'll tell you, you know, no one, no one was more surprised than my rock and roll drummer dad <laughs> <laughs> to bring it back. I think when I got in, the he opposite. said, yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I think when he got in, he said, I'm still waiting for the hospital to call and be like, you actually took the wrong <laughs> one swapped. home. We swapped them out. <laughs> that was his response. He was like, no freaking way. Um, so uh, the question again was, I completely got derailed. What was the, what was, so you, well, what were we doing yeah. before? Yeah. No, how did you, why, yeah. Why was it not an in insurance, I guess? Right. Why, why wasn't it insurance? I, I look back and ask that question myself. No, before I sold into insurance, we were selling to government, which is probably oh, a more them. painful customer than even insurance. Yeah. Next business them. I create, we're going to sell like coral in the Bahamas or something <laughs> yes. fun, you know? Uh, but yeah, no, I was, uh, I built a product. I should tell everybody what we do. So I, I own a company yeah. called Ometry, like geometry mm -hmm. without the G. Um, we essentially measure the risk of the road. So we measure where it's unsafe to drive. And then we help insurance carriers, predominantly those with telematics, to know where their customers drive that's unsafe oh. and how they behave. Interesting. Yeah. So we actually built this for government because we thought who could fix the problem? Who could actually police, enforce, them. change the roads? Yeah, turns out, you know, there are a few. <laughs> we worked in 28 cities, so I'll give props to the 28 cities that thought progressively enough to uh, to manage the risk of the road and try to, you know, help prevent crashes and save people's lives. But it's not all of them. And I can tell you they weren't, you know, falling over backwards for AI in five years ago. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, the writing was on the wall that we needed to find a customer who valued this sort of precision uh, this advancement into artificial intelligence and machine learning. And we felt like it's the right moment with insurance. So it, it, it would look at, this is fascinating. So it would look mm -hmm. at basically maybe how the signals would operate and then say, this is how it should be. Yeah, it wasn't that precise. So we'd look no. at which roads were dangerous and okay. what was making them dangerous. So for example, cars parked on the right hand side is a really dangerous thing, particularly in cities. People get doored, bicyclists get doored when the car door right. opens up and the drivers don't leave enough space on that side, right? So you clip cars all the time. So things like that where the city could understand what was going on, they could make better decisions about road infrastructure and design was really where we sat. Um, and a lot of the, the cities that we worked with we're working on the Vision Zero initiative, which is a street safety initiative to reduce crashes to zero. It's got mayors around the world bought in on this idea. Statistically improbable, but visionary in that mm -hmm. it wanted to 
you know, set everyone's goals on this unrealistic, absolutely no car crashes ever in our community sort of goal, a sort of moonshot. And so a lot of cities, you'll see this, uh, if you ever get back in a taxi cab in New York ever, have like stickers on windows that say, look, you know, open the door when you're, look, when you're opening the door, look, make sure there's no cyclists coming or something like that. Um, all of those initiatives, that's where we sort of fit into the broader government, um, you know, scheme. Love it. And what, what so starting five years ago to now, like what, how has it evolved? Well, we sell the insurance, so (laughs) it has definitely evolved in that way. I think what we learned uh, when we started out, we were just that naive sort of uh, insurance technology company coming in asking, how do you calculate the loss ratio? Like we started there. Um, So from there, we've come a long way in three years. But I think the big learning that we learned was how we can make our product easy for everybody else to use. Um, it can be the most intuitive thing in the world. Like, where is it dangerous to drive? We all kind of understand that intuitively, right? We all have intersections or roads in our neighborhood or on our regular commute where we're like, yeah, I see car crashes there happen all the time. You're quantifying that? Cool. Like, I get it. It's, it's amazingly intuitive. There's no 3D box that spins and turns and tries to reveal some hidden insight. It's just this road's dangerous, that road's not. Um, but it's not that easy, even if it is that intuitive to get it into an insurance product or to get it into the insurance sales cycle in some way, shape or form. And when we walked in, we said, we could do a lot here. We could help acquire telematics customers with information that's engaging, right? Do you wanna know where it's safe to drive? We could attach this to apps where teen drivers go, right? Are your children on unsafe roads or safe roads? Wouldn't you wanna know that? Um, We could put it in the underwriting. So, okay, now that we observe people driving around, can we find drivers that are disproportionately on unsafe roads? Can we find drivers that are speeding or hard braking on unsafe roads? Great market segmentation. Or we could put it into the actuarial models and file rates to get the pricing models, actually adjust the way that we consider risk and price risk for customers. Um, So we, you know, the world is your oyster. And then you start figuring out, you know, where can I go first? How can I build the product so that they can use it at any one of those steps? Um, And for us, that big, big learning happened to be eliminating personally identifiable information. Uh, We said, we don't want it. We don't keep it. We don't have it. We never touch it. And that has made a big difference in our go to market timing and how long that runway has taken us. We say that makes you a bit better friend with the carrier. Than, oh yeah. And, makes and me saying, a friend oh, with everybody. Have, we'll keep it safe over here. No, no. We right. Don't want it. <laughs> but what I know that no one else knows is that location is the most important piece of information that you share with that telematics device. Why? Because I can connect a universe of data, a world of data to where you physically are. Are you near things? Are you going by things? Are you using your vehicle in different ways at different locations? I know so much with just location that I don't need all of that personally identifiable information. I'm taking the bet that where you are matters way more than who you are at the end of the day. And in doing so, I can qualify way more people, right? The people that would otherwise get disqualified because they had a low credit score or they had a history of crashes. I can look at, you know what? I'm not going to care so much about who you are. You're an immigrant, just came across, don't have financial history, have a low credit history, don't have very much documentation. Great. Put this device in your car. We're going to track you. We're going to monitor how you 
how you speed, how you hard break, and where you do it, I can know a lot about you that way. So then the, the consumer's objection, of course, that we as agents will hear sure. is monitor and track, right? People yeah. want to be monitored and tracked. So what's the, sure. what's the, the bridge that, that you would have uh, the front yeah. forces use to overcome that? Well, anybody who hears me talk about this immediately goes on their phone and looks at all of the location, like enabled <laughs> applications on their phone. Everything. They're like, holy shit, who have I given this information to? And you'd be surprised. Like you give it to Apple. If you have a Fitbit, Fitbit's tracking your location. If you have a Nike running app or a Nike brand new Nike shoe, it's in there. Uh, it's tracking where you run, right? But it's tracking your location. Any new BMW, any new Mercedes, most of the four coming off the factory line cars are have this embedded. You can't turn it off. It's part of the product, right? And Elon's going to just throw it in your, right in your brain. Sure. I mean, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> who knows with him? I mean, I'm not trying to make any predictions as a statistician on Elon. The woo, I, it's, he tries yeah, to he's beat all that. Over the place. So it's unpredictable. Exactly. I think he's, he's trying to be unpredictable. Exactly. He's trying to test whether we've, you know, beat uh, the machines yet or not, whether we can right. dodge them any further. But um, yeah, I think I lost my train of thought again. I apologize. Oh, just <laughs> edit the, this for the consumer. And I, I'm good at doing that. Post. Oh, right. So for the consumer, right? Like everybody freaks out. First thing, first response is, holy shit, how much have I given away my location information? Mm -hmm. And then you start doing this debate. You start doing this dance. Well, do I want to turn off the location for Google Maps? No, I kind of like my Google Maps, right? Right. Do I want to turn off the location on my Instagram? Maybe. Maybe I don't need to tag where I was. So it becomes not a question of, I don't like to be tracked, but what am I willing to be tracked for? What, have I, what value do I get back? And I think that's where we're trying to make the case that actually safety matters a lot to people. They don't want your coupons. They don't want your discount on coffee. They wanna know where is it safe to drive? And the good thing is you can buy that from us and there's no additional cost to the driver, right? They don't have to give you any more information. They don't have to call you all the time. You're not dramatically increasing your cost by adding one more piece of data to the conversation. So I think it's a win-win for both sides when we make the case that people really wanna know where it's safe to drive. And if you ask them for their location information just for that purpose, you actually can acquire more of these customers, make them happier, and everybody gets more data out of the, out of the arrangement. So they become safer. They get priced more fairly because they're mm -hmm. not lumped in with everybody. Oh yeah. Yeah. Literally win-win. And the ultra win is for the speeder, right? The, the guy who goes 103 in the middle of the desert and is like, let me open it up. I got this Tesla for a reason. Like I want to really put the pedal down. Go ahead. Um, it's going to essentially be able to validate all of those. Oh, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. It was them. It wasn't me. Or I'm, I'm a safe driver and all I drive is these back roads that are all safe all the time. Like, why am I paying the same amount that someone goes into downtown Manhattan from the same zip code? I mean, the logic hmm. is very intuitive to me. So going 100 out in the middle of the desert does not penalize you? That's okay? Have fun. Rock on, yes. right? Like, you're on a really really safe road speed doesn't matter as much uh. as it might in a place that's very dangerous and actually we're seeing this manifest with covid not to go long here but i think this is a really important point with covid19 
speeding is happening more. Mm -hmm. So in New York City, uh, specifically 57% increase in speeding camera violations. So this isn't over policing. These are the posted cameras that are on the side of the wall tracking, you know, or on the light posts tracking your speed. People anecdotally are sharing stories with us all the time about, oh my God, I was on the highway. I had to pull over. I was so scared because people were going way too fast, right? Turns out during COVID-19, the proportion of crashes that are fatal are more, the, the, that proportion is increasing during COVID-19. So in New York City, the proportion of crashes that were fatal went up 18%. That's a crazy boost if you think about the traffic volume went down 75% and the number of crashes wow. went down 60%. But the, num but the proportion that are fatal is going up. So because That's it's so crazy. empty, people think that they can drive a multitude faster and thus with it. I, it there's some, I mean, I'm sure you know the statistic, but every 10 miles an hour faster you go increases the likelihood of death by whatever, sort of like the seismic thing. Sure. Yeah. Speed is a huge part of it, right? If you nudge a Jersey barrier versus if you slam into a Jersey barrier, very big difference, right? Practically for your outcomes. But it seems like during COVID-19 with cars off of the road, uh, speeding is increasing. And this may be exactly the reason why the proportion of crashes that are fatal, crashes that would have just been severe, uh, potentially, are now sort of crossing that line. And unfortunately, there's no coming back from that, right? You, you, once you get over to the fatal kind of level, unfortunately, you're dead, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You can't do anything back. to fix that. Now, no. the other concern is that now, okay, severe and fatal. Let's talk about fatal crashes are going up during COVID-19. What does that mean for the hospitals? What does that mean if a truck driver is involved for the delivery of goods? What does that mean for police officers, right? We have a lot of questions about how this is gonna play out over time and the implications on supply chains and on health and safety for everybody, even whether you're on the road or not. And I think that isn't gonna be an increasingly important thing to track as a side effect of COVID-19 for us, the drivers, and for the insurance carriers are trying to monitor what the new normal might actually look like. Um, so we launched this website called crashometry.com to monitor that. And we've got about four states up on it right now. We're gonna be adding them as soon as we can get the data in, um, because I think it's really important wherever you live. It looks like uh, our friend is on the beach somewhere, which is the best, but, we're, <laughs> but wherever you live, I wish. you want this information. I want this information for sure. That's incredible. So tell, tell us a little more about Crashometry. Yeah. yeah, so Crashometry is just a website we spun up uh, among our management team. Five folks got together all with different skills and passed the baton over five days to develop this website um, and some key analytics. We take crash reports from police departments. So the data sources are DOTs and police departments. We're not uh, trying to scam anybody here. We're just trying to take things that are public record uh, and present them in a way that hopefully is insightful and hopefully helps, you know, folks consider how they will drive on the road and maybe if they will drive on the road uh, at all. 
um, and you know, reorients the, the whole world back towards making sure people get home safely once we do start to open up the economy. Um, what that will mean is why we're tracking it over time. So you'll see things like how the death uh, proportion of deaths per crash is changing. You'll see things like how is the, the rate of crashes going down in comparison to the rate of fatalities. We've put the raw numbers up there now. We have Massachusetts, Ohio, Texas, uh, and I believe the District of Columbia and maybe New York City as well. So you can do some comparisons and see how you compare. Um, yeah, we're hoping that folks find it a useful resource uh, we were just too terrified and worried about the results to keep them to ourselves. And we felt like it was That's really a moral imperative to share. That's very, there's, there's the probably is a, a, well, there could be, I should use mm -hmm. the statistician language. There, there could be a, a, a correlation between the, the type of person who was willing to go out more often during mm -hmm. this thing, right? Because the, the less risky people are gonna stay home, the more risky people are gonna go out and feel safe. And those people may also engage in more risky behavior or speeding. Yes and no. So uh, I would push back on that to say essential workers, truck drivers, they oh, don't yeah. necessarily fit that profile. Um, but even if that's true, let's just say that like we're just creaming off the most dangerous drivers right now. And when we open up, you know, mixing everybody back together is gonna to bring them back to the center. That may be true, that may be how it pans out. But in alternative cases, not to be too Debbie Downer here, you could have <laughs> rusty drivers getting back on the road. Um, there are states like Georgia that are approving driver's licenses without passing the driving test. Uh, Why? What a I great idea. I mean, Georgia seems full of great ideas these days, no judgment, <laughs> but like they are writing their own scripts down there. So, I mean, I don't know how it will play out, but I would suspect that we are not, just as we are at the front end of the COVID-19 pandemic, we are also at the front end of understanding the new normal of what the roads will be like, which is incredibly important for our insurance carrier friends who A, have returned $10 billion in premium back to personal lines auto, B, we're suffering to begin with on both commercial and personal, so this isn't going to make it better, and C, who are seeing consumers flock to usage-based insurance products that they may or may not already have the technology to support. So they're losing customers. I mean, it is a, it is a storm, right, of all things going in the wrong direction if you're a traditional insurer that's not ready or not prepared for the new normal. So how should these carriers um, respond and yeah. Besides obviously using your product, but but also how should they respond to this environment? What I'll take the shameless plug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, definitely go to ometry.com. Definitely buy that data. We are a small business, so you are supporting the economy. Um, the things that they should do is seriously consider usage-based insurance or getting folks with tele uh, telemetry devices in their car. You don't necessarily need to have a whole usage-based insurance program to ask drivers to be tracked. Teen driver apps like I think there's one called Life360, for example, not affiliated to us, not, they don't work with us, so no plug there, but they're just an app that tracks where your teen driver is. If you have an app like that, that works, right? We wanna get more people who have given up location information to their carrier or get more people to give location information to their carrier so that we can price them more accurately in this moment. We'll know two things that are very important. 
how, well, I guess three things, how much you drive, your speed and where you drive if you work with ometry. The reason that last bit is so important is because if you just went with how much you drive and whether you speed, you would be really messed up right now because vehicle miles traveled has gone way down, speed has gone way up, and fatal crashes have increased. So those two things alone as predictors are no longer good mm -hmm. enough for modeling what this new normal is gonna be like. You really need that third part. Where are they driving? So you can contextualize those behaviors with information about are they in safe places or are they in unsafe places where I should be really worried about those fatal crashes. How much data do people have on those locations and the safety of the locations? Yeah, we collected in Texas, we're up to 8.2 B billion. No, that's wrong. 8.2 million records, 8.2 million records over the last 10 years. It's about 40,000 crashes every single month in the state of Texas to give wow. you some scale. Yeah. And the thing is, police crash reports are public record. You just have to know how to get them, where to get them, how to use them. That's us, right? The police reports should be pretty comprehensive and a little biased towards severe and fatal. So if you're worried not just about incidents, but severity, police crash reports do a pretty good job measuring that as well. But every insurance carrier sits in their own little silo of data. I feel like you all can appreciate this. It's why we only look at our tens of thousands of customers, or if we're lucky enough, hundreds of thousands of customers who in a year may have a composite number of crashes, like 4,000 crashes. Great, but there are 40,000 crashes a month in the state of Texas, like alone. So we need to be looking beyond our silos. We need to be saying, how do we connect these people that live within our organization to data in the outside world in a meaningful way that we can assess and help improve our risk assessment of these people going forward? Love it. And I love the, uh, the crashometry. It's so interesting to, to look at the data. Yeah. It's crazy. It's you wouldn't crazy. Have, I mean, yeah, it's crazy. You wouldn't think that that would be the patterns. Um, no. Well, obviously, with the less crashes, you saw that coming. But Well, yeah, realities. less crashes, totally, yeah. like you would expect less crashes. But I'll tell you, I wrote an article on digital insurance. It got a lot of pushback. Uh, and a lot of positivity, right? It was one of the first articles to bring this issue to that light. Means it was that, good. Yeah, it was controversial. <laughs> yeah. And the haters said, show me the data. Like you're speaking oh. to anecdotally. <laughs> and I said, okay, I can actually do that. Oh, right? like, you want the data perhaps? Yeah, go to crashometry.com. It's all right there, including original sources. Like we wanted to- Talk to the hand. Yeah, shut down the haters, no. <laughs> But uh, the point was, look, no, the data is actually manifesting this out as well. And you can listen to me, but numbers don't lie, right? Like numbers show a very different story. And when you see, when you open up the page, you'll see Texas is the first state to come up. The, the lines are diverting like this, like two planes peeling off from one another. The fatal, the percentage fatal is going up and then the percentage of crashes is going down. It's wow. terrifying. I mean, literally the first thing I said was, holy shit, check the numbers. This yeah. can't be right. Holy shit. And five yeah. of us, all established, accomplished data scientists sat in silence when we saw these numbers because they scared us. Honestly, we don't drive anymore. I mean, if you don't need to be on the road, don't. 
is the is it the away. same? And so when you look, you so have crazy. Five states, you have five or six or four states in New York City. Mm-hmm. Yeah, four states in New York City. And it's the same, same the kind same. of data plotting. Yep. Very uh, similar patterns. Very similar patterns. Some same regression in- analysis. <laughs> We're just doing proportion change. <laughs> just some simple line graphs. Nothing too crazy. Oh. We can we can go there. I mean, if you want to go there, let's go. Let's dance. But no. For the public, for folks that are, you know, maybe didn't take a master's level statistic class, we want to make it pretty simple, straightforward. Fatalities is what we gotta worry about on the road right now. Sure. Um but yeah, I am hoping that more people find this interesting and then think about it, you know, put that in the back of your head next time you're driving or share it with a friend to make sure that they know uh, right. if they are an essential worker and need to take to the road. Do you plan on having this uh, branch out to all the states, Arizona, hopefully next, then California, I guess? Yeah. Arizona's uh, very soon in the pipeline. Uh, I think we have 27 states queued up right now. We're going to wow. do a Yep, we're going to do a couple little jiggers on the back end to fix mm-hmm. up some technical stuff because we wanted to get it out as soon as possible. Um, but over the next couple of days, you're going to see Massachusetts, we just added today. Uh, we'll add Arizona, we'll add Connecticut, I know is coming soon, of very big interest to the tri state area. We're trying to prioritize places where they're either opening up live or they are shut down pretty solidly so that we can see how these things change and look at the difference between a place like Ohio that is starting to let folks back to work um, and opening up their economy. Consequence is going to be more cars on the road versus sort of Mm -hmm. natural experiment of places like New York City where it's still very much nobody on the road, empty streets. It'll be interesting. California and Arizona neighboring each other. Arizona is pretty much like, everything's good. It's like it's over. And then it's you know, like California said 90 more days or, you know, I mean, you're, right. you're locked down until the end of July. So yeah, it's well, crazy. It's, that's where Jason is, is and I'm in Arizona. It is tough times as a statistician to watch the news. I wish mm-hmm. there was a news channel that had just like science and math versus showing everything through the lens of politics, because I would yeah, really yeah, like yeah. to know the math, right? I have so much. They don't know math. They don't use data-driven decision-making right now. Um, no. I, I, but I don't know that, right? Like, I presume. Um, but I wish I had that. I wish I had more certainty on those I'll presume questions. with you on that. Yeah. The worst question you can ask a statistician is, are you sure? Because we're like, <laughs> are we? <laughs> so we've got a lot of questions about how things are going to play out. But the important thing is to just keep tracking the numbers and raising awareness to improve behaviors while we can. Because the one thing we can do is slow the F down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. Truth. Love it. That's what's so causing it. Yeah. What would you say, like, if you were an insurance sales agent, what mm-hmm. data do you know that could be super beneficial to that person other than um, other than what you've told us, which has all been crazy cool. interesting? Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, in addition to crashometry, over the mm-hmm. summer, we'll be launching some products for sales agents specifically. What we've heard, especially on the commercial side of the house, is providing these information to drivers around where they drive. 
um, even if you don't have a routing, you know, the capability to see the route, you can type in an address and look at these maps, much like you would look at an old road atlas that you'd put in the back seat of your car, right? Just this map shows you where it's dangerous to drive in your community. So what I'd love to put in the hands of agents is this information to share with their customers, to build that relationship, to build trust, to get back to the fundamentals of insurance, which are, we're here to care for you. We're here with you and we want you to be safer so that we can all, you know, in the case of insurance profit at the end of the day, but, you know, so we can price things more accurately and not, you know, make sure you get home safe, essentially. It would be so interesting is yeah. a is a map like the map on your computer or your car that everybody uses right your GPS mm -hmm. and you could do fastest or safest yes and I'd be so curious to see which people would pick you know and then yeah and when use that right information. yeah like I'm driving back from the soccer practice I've got a boatload of kids maybe I'm more willing to use the safest route right. I'm responsible for other people right um versus and I'm what, in a rush and I just need to get there but and how would people bet you know like safest mm -hmm. is 18 minutes fastest is nine mm -hmm. eh, maybe I'll go fastest this time but it's just you know yeah, I think what's interesting to me about that is actually it's not a uh, this or that binary. Mm -hmm. It is actually sometimes the same answer, right? The safest way is sometimes the fastest way, oh, or sometimes yeah. the safest way is the most direct way. Um, or maybe it's a little bit more indirect, but not as That's fast. True. So there's all yeah. kinds of trade-offs that you can make. Um, certainly on the commercial side, we can enforce those rules, right? We can say, here's your route and you better take it. And if you don't, you're going to be penalized, retrained or whatever it right. may be. Um, and this is where usage-based insurance is starting to explore. It's saying, hey, can we charge Lyft drivers a premium for picking people up at the airport? Should we? Probably. Right around airports, I could show you Union Station in Washington, D.C., which is a train station. Crashes all day in the traffic circle right in front of Union Station. If we're going to send our commercial vehicles regularly into those environments, should we charge a premium? Or if we're saying, okay, you are a driver that's going last mile out to rural, you know, the middle of the desert in Arizona, can we give you a discount? And they're starting to ask those questions about what the route means for the price. That's, that's awesome. Crazy. Mm -hmm. when, when is the uh, Google Maps integration? You know, as soon as Google calls, I will let you know. <laughs> we'll tag uh, Google on this uh, on the post when we drop the episode. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Google. You know, all the devices the way, in Google, my phone are, are going to start to go off. Um, yeah, no, but you know, as soon as Google calls us, absolutely. But for now, we have great integrations with partners. Um, that are on the commercial side. So if you use a commercial routing application, it is very probable that we can already do that for you. That is cool. Yeah, that mm -hmm. would be awesome on the consumer side. I would use but, it, although I, I don't know. I, I don't know, because we also did for fun one summer, we did a project to predict where um, uh, businesses were gonna fail their health inspections, restaurants were gonna fail their health inspections. This is what statisticians <laughs> do in their free time. Okay, and I still I like eat this it. already. I still eat at Chipotle, so I should know better, but I still do it. So I wonder if that's true for <laughs> crashes as well. Like if I did have this information, <laughs> would I make different choices? 
I don't know. So I'm going to start on the com- commercial side where I can enforce those behaviors. Right. On the personal side, I think we probably have a little bit of time. But, you know, what's really cool is we haven't talked about this at all is autonomous vehicles, right? Autonomous vehicles, we can pre-program to go the safest route. And there you go. There you have it, mass market. Now, when you get an autonomous vehicle, it's not only safer because the vehicle isn't a human making human error, but it's also safer because it's going to take you away from routes that would expose you to other asshole drivers that aren't autonomous. Yep. Love it. I think parents would like it too. You know, I think that that would be a good, that would be the way to get into the consumers because parents would, uh, they definitely would not, they would want to keep their kids away from those. Yeah, oh, yeah, they want they want to keep their kids away. I think also there's a question of like, um, am I sending them into a war zone? Like, go pick up the milk, right? Like, I don't want the personal responsibility of saying like, this is the way you're going to take to school, and it's not on the highway. A lot of parents say like, I don't let my kids drive on the highway, and the question is, is the highway that much more unsafe than the back roads? Oftentimes, it's not it's on ramps that are really dangerous. Once you get on the highway, everyone's headed in the same direction, pretty much at the same speed. Compare that to on ramps where people are merging and there's all kinds of dangerous circumstances that happen there. If your kid's getting on the highway, that's where you should be nervous. But the highway, the straightaway highway is pretty safe. It actually compares very well to some back road neighborhood places some back road neighborhood places with bad blind intersections or stop signs that people blow through. We can't rely on these sort of antiquated sense of the world when we have data and we have machine learning and we have all these wonderful tools at our disposal to actually say, here's the safest way I want you to go versus guessing. Love it. So final question out of everything that you've learned personally and through your journey of um, just going from from rock concerts to uh, crazy analytics, what's the one thing that has pushed you uh, that has made the biggest impact on on you personally through through your journey? Yeah, I'll get Rush? personal on this. I mean, Rush <laughs> is definitely part of the journey. Um, I definitely did a lot of banging on the drums of my dad's pickup truck as a kid, right? Um, Definitely part of my life story. But I think the big transformation for me was when I had the opportunity to go to MIT. Um, MIT operates, universities operate in general on a very different in a very different place, right? They're an environment to explore and to learn and to grow. But MIT in particular says, fuck the law. Like mm. the rules that people made for you are not the only rules you can live by. So tell me, because you're engineers and you're scientific, that you can't find another way to come to the same conclusion with different math. If you can do that, then the universality of the rules that we know isn't true. It's not universal. It's just what I live by. So there's this question of an exploration of how universal are the rules? Are the rules the ones I have to follow? And I think that questioning that in your life in general is such an important thing because it's, do I have to follow the career I was told that I would be good at? Do I have to start a family or raise kids? There's all these sorts of expectations and rules that we set for ourselves that if we ask and question them really deeply, um, we may find different 
paths for ourselves. We may give ourselves the liberty to live outside of the rules of everybody else and just do it because you can explore that depth. That helped me start Ometry. That helped me build new products in an industry I didn't know. People said I couldn't do it or I didn't look like the people that I was selling to. And yeah, that's all true. But my like seeking of knowledge was more intense than the doubt, right? Than the rules that people put on me and said, you can't. So I think there that was by far the most transformational moment because it not only changed the way I think professionally, it helped me explore more personally about who I wanted to be and what I wanted to become. Love it. Just say F it. The mic. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I mean, you very well could, you could change Drop the, bones. The, the trajectory of this industry that is so siloed, right? I mean, I think that, yeah. that, that, well, I don't, I don't know if it's true or not because I don't have the data. <laughs> Maybe. It seems, you could always say it's it possible like that. The reason yeah. that this industry has been so slow to adapt and, and be able to, 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 to make these huge leaps like all the other industries have is yeah. because everything's so siloed. They're not sharing information. And I don't know. Yeah, that's partly true. I think that's partly true. I got like a 50-50 on that. I'll take it. Yeah, well, we don't know. We don't know. It's possible. It's like, uh, not to, again, get too political, but Donald Trump says possible. And most everything is possible. So you hmm. use that to cover, you know, right. improbable. You could have monkeys Still possible. do this. It's possible. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think <laughs> siloed data is an important part of the story because you can't model things without a lot of data. You need big data to get to closer to absolute certainties, right? So I think a lot of insurance carriers, small ones don't have enough data, but the big ones don't either. I'll tell you, I've tried to pilot this with some of the, the bigger carriers with nascent telematics programs. They don't have enough drivers either. So I think the bigger issue is that in the case of telematics, we've got 5% market saturation in the United States. It's nearly ubiquitous in Italy, so it can be done. I'm not living on the moon here. We have 5% adoption rate in the United States. Who's willing, who wants to go after that 95%? To me, that's a big juicy apple just ripening on the vine. And it takes balls to go get it. I think it's, it's just that, seeing opportunity in the fact that the market hasn't gotten to a place that is modern and we're not going back the other direction. We increasingly are relying on technology because we have to be in our homes. Yep. We are increasingly relying on statistics and science to guide our decisions. We're not gonna go back to the way of feeling good about a customer and giving them a good price. We, need, we are all headed and trended in this direction. It's just the companies that are going to to do it, just do it, right? Like I can't push a wet noodle, but some some people got to start jumping soon. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you know Love of it. the of the of the hundred percent of the people that are in the U.S., we know what percent are willing to. Well, we don't, but Google, Apple, Nike, mm -hmm. they know what percent of the people are willing to share that data. Yeah. 
Well, that's awesome. that's a great use case and great example, right? We're not even in the insurance industry recreating the wheel here. We're saying we're going to take what the big tech companies showed us works and use it for us. It's like accepting credit cards, right? Like it is that simple. Right. <laughs> do what they do. And maybe it's trust. Like the, for whatever reason, we trust Google, we trust Apple, but maybe we don't trust the insurance carrier. I don't trust Google, not for a day. <laughs> I'm sorry. We just directed Google here, but I don't trust Google, not for a day. They know everything. They, they know, know everything everything. and they don't do everything with it, right? So mm -hmm. they know everything and they have important questions they can answer that they don't answer. That's terrifying because why are they withholding that information if they can know things? Mm -hmm. Very simple example Be on careful. that one personal to heart. No, I mean, very simply food banks. Google knows where all the food banks are. Why don't we make that information the first thing to appear when you open a Google map, right? They're making decisions about what they show you, what they don't show you. And so pays them. I don't know how they make that. I'm sure it's a very, very difficult, you know, decision to not show everything, show some things, but they are effectively the yellow pages of today. And if we're saying that only some people can make it into the yellow pages, I have bigger questions about what that means for societies trending towards singularity and like single, you know, big conglomerate businesses it doesn't give other people chances and it doesn't connect people to social services in the way that we used to. So I've got questions about Google, but I think you're right to say like they can be an example from which we can take technology and adapt it and adopt it for what we need. The biggest, brightest star to me is I am already getting my customers to buy Fitbits because I want them to track this for their life insurance. I am already putting telematics into vehicles. I'm already partnering with OEMs. I'm already putting these apps in people's phones to track their kids. You already have all, it's already there. You just have to use it. There you go. It's all, yeah. Consumerism. This is a heater. We kept you on for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Rock on. And Love it. Rocking it. Dropping the drums and the mic and the headphones. Just made it happen. We'll add a so, sound effect there. Where where can I know we can find you on LinkedIn, which is where? Yeah, we of course. You. Where can they? What, you know, how can they find out more info? Yeah. How can we get uh, all the carriers to go and get all know, signed up? Yeah, that would be the end goal, right? We're looking for usage-based insurers, telematics partners, OEM partners, uh, routing, fleet management. I mean, we're doing all of it. Uh, they can find us at ometry.com, uh, just like O-M-E-T-R-Y.com. Uh, Crashometry is the public site, so maybe you don't have the big money to spend, but you want to take a look at that data and sponsor the continued development of that website. That would be dope too. Um, Really, at the end of the day, we're on a mission to keep people safe and get everyone home safe. So I really hope that others will be excited about that mission and join in. Thank you so much. This is Love awesome. It. Um, never awesome. thought you could have this much fun with somebody from MIT. So Hey, us nerds are <laughs> yeah. fun too. You got to yeah, hang out. Exactly. <laughs> if you've never been to an MIT frat party, you have never been to a frat party, my friend. <laughs> I'm sure that they've engineered some cool stuff. Yeah. Roller coasters. <laughs> literally inside oh, of the party the last one i went to someone fell through the roof that's when it got shut down us nerds have a that's good way time. better 
Way better. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hang out sometime when we yeah, can. We'll sure. have a beer. Let's do it. Sounds All good. Right. Thank you. Bye, guys. Have a great afternoon. You too. Thank you so much. Hey, you've got to check out the Insurance Dudes Inner Circle coming soon where you get extended interviews as well as live coffee talks in our private Facebook group. Join the mailing list today at theinsurancedudespodcast.com. Hey, thanks for checking out the Insurance Dudes. Hey, please subscribe. We got some really great stuff coming out.